0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrialcom Podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from some caves in Wenley Moor, this is Doctor Who Podshock.
1: The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 265. My name is Ken Deep alongside Mr. Lewis Trapani. Hello, welcome. And across the great pond, Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper.
2: And he's very amused at Ken's language.
0: You didn't <laughs> hear that.
1: <laughs> you know, that was, uh, was something that goes on the blooper reel. That goes on my symphony reel.
0: <laughs> so I hope everyone's doing well.
2: Particularly myself, I'm doing well, although I've just had a an injection, a flu injection, since they think... They injected this, you oh, with the flu? No, well, apparently, well, yes, I suppose. <laughs> I had a bit of a shock because they'd, uh, they'd give me the bird flu one as well, but uh, they think an old man like me needs protection, so
1: <laughs> there you go. They need protection just by a gun.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I figured maybe they were, they were injecting you with that... Um, that antidote for the Silurian virus. Mm.
2: Yeah, we'll N- get... Nice segue.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I just came off uh, doing a marathon of the Silurians. It's um, we'll get to that in a minute, but we'll I guess we'll we'll dive into some Doctor Who news. And first up is uh, they uncovered a they discovered a script for a a twenty three minute doctor Who adventure which um surprisingly had cast which was well they it it would have had cast peter Cushing um his doctor doctor who as it were in a um in an audio adventure. so this was um written by uh, Malcolm Hulk who's um who 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 um is the writer of the Silurians, which we're going to be getting to later so uh but it's was uh, now it it was to be recorded in 1965, I believe, by Independent Company, and uh, um, and I guess it, it it didn't actually get recorded, did it? Uh, no.
1: I don't think so, no. Yeah. Uh, the Journey Into Time.
0: Yes, Journey Into Time is the title.
1: was well, set to be 52 episodes made for Australia and overseas, starring Peter Cushing, and this was... A pilot episode written by Malcolm Hulk. Very interesting that it was tailored to uh, Peter Cushing's doctor. Yeah, because a lot of people didn't even know this existed until it decided it was going to rear its Malcolm Hulk written head.
2: And uh, the title, I think, is a bit of a play on there was a very famous radio play here in the UK, our series, called Journey Into Space, So I don't know whether they picked Journey into Time to um... to play off that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. First it was it's interesting that they chose to make a radio drama because there was no precedent for that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for Doctor Who at that time. So this would have been the mid sixties and they would have Cushing would have brought the Doctor to the big screen and in color and and capitalized on the Daleks. But there there were no audio dramas or Big Finish, or any BBV, or any of the companies that have put on audio through the '90s and, and into the 21st century, in even the earliest radio dramas, I think might have been with uh, Exploration Earth with Tom Baker, perhaps and Liz Sladen. That would have been. Sometime didn't didn't
0: um, John Pert we do a audio story in the '90s? He he did one in the '90s. I thought, he, I, is that? Um, do you remember the name of that? Is, is is it the one that begins with a P? The, um,
1: you're thinking of the Pescatons, which yeah. would have been Tom Baker. Okay,
0: then that's the one I'm thinking. And
1: Liz of. Slade, uh, written by Victor Pemberton, and and then the two that Pert we did with Liz Sladen and, and Nicholas Courtney were in the '90s and. I think they were written by Barry Letts. They were for BBC Radio in the '90s and re- reuniting the cast. Ghosts of... All right, well, it's um, it's pretty interesting. This most um, so event space I thought was kind of it was just very strange because it had it introduced the Brigadier's Sicilian relatives or something. It was something <laughs> completely ludicrous. For the character, um, where the Paradise of Death was a l- little more um, well thought out, I'll put it to you that way. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that that first audio production uh, that you mentioned, Doctor Who and the Pescarons, first released on LP record in nineteen seventy-six.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, this would have been almost ten years before. So this that. would have
1: preceded that by yeah. a decade, absolutely. Yeah. And and so it's groundbreaking for a number of reasons. One, it would have had the extension of the Cushing Doctor. And I, let's just call him Doctor Who because there really is no other way of putting it. He's not part of the canon officially. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it would have been almost its own series the way the Australian canine series is a thing onto itself and not part of canine. It's like, what do you do with the canine, the Bob Baker, Dave Martin australian canine series but just kind of put it off in that corner there and hope it goes away
0: and also what's interesting is uh the series would add involved um historical figures such as uh, julius caesar and marco polo and caveman yeah, only
1: they had a way of doing that in the in the classic series that would have been i mean i could see where that would come in handy you know, if the, only the the Hartnell series would have had a way to incorporate Marco Polo into their <laughs> storytelling yeah. and cavemen, yeah, I mean that would have been fantastic. Imagine where the series would have gone.
0: <laughs> it's interesting news, nonetheless. As we record, this is the today's the the twenty second of January, and I think in what three now is it four weeks or three weeks now is Gallifrey One in Los Angeles they have an exciting lineup as always and if you go to com. I'm
2: going to bite the bullet here, Lewis yes are you going
1: or not
0: I am i can't go unfortunately I, the resources aren't there
1: that makes okay. me the, the sole Podshock host attending, is that it?
0: Uh, as far as I, as far as I know, I don't. Th- I believe so. I don't. Um...
2: James is uh, will be obviously. I would have thought too busy in a, a, a different life that makes a commitment like that something that you you know you can't just do it as a a person in your own right, can you? I mean,
1: well, yeah. For for people in the UK, it's it's obviously it's a little more of a of a trek than even for New Yorkers like Lewis and myself.
2: Well, I think our listeners, uh, and I cl- include myself as a listener to Podshock, would be very sad to hear that news, uh, Lewis, because um, the uh, Podshock has been a great part of that. It was uh, great last year. You had in the uh, fantastic coup of bringing uh, the special uh, director of the very first Doctor Who. And uh, is somebody going to pronounce his name for me? Because I'll get Morris, it wrong. Boris Hussain. That, that was an absolute coup of you guys. And is returning
1: it? This year to Gallifrey to join William Russell and Maureen O'Brien in a very special 60s panel at Gallifrey, which is fantastic. It's probably the thing most – the most eagerly anticipated uh, panel of the weekend. And in that, and there are a lot of great panels over the course of that weekend. But that one is uh, going to be spectacular and it's I think it's being hosted by Gary Russell, who is the, the exact – Right person to to be asking the questions on that panel. So, absolutely, because apparently uh, that that
2: was the, the the bringing him on as a guest was that was that the first convention that he'd
1: come on. And he had done a few other appearances, but I I believe it was his first Gallifrey appearance, and and basically the start of it, I think, was that um, he had just never been asked which seems kind of strange because it seems like they ask everybody and so we'll ask is basically what happened with that you know right and uh, and he was one of two surprise guests last year with pamela salem as well joining us up on stage but uh, sadly i think this year we are not gonna we won't be doing our our live show on stage at, at gallifrey um but you've got a
2: great legacy there as well, because, uh, of course, Daphne Ashbrook is a friend of this show. And I believe one of the things that's going to be at Galley is um, aren't they going to do a live commentary of the uh, the Doctor Who movie?
1: And as I was just saying, the, the amazing panels continue. They're doing a live commentary with Paul McGann, Daphne, E.G., Eric Roberts, uh, Philip Siegel. I, I mean, I, that's a that's a it's a fantastic commentary. I think we had Jeffrey Sachs on the first issue, uh, the first release of the DVD, the, the Region 2, Region 4 release. Mm-hmm. And then with the reissue, they have Sylvester and Paul McGann doing a commentary. So This is the first time to get such a, a large scope of people talking about the 96 movie and doing it in person, which is always fantastic because there's— there's usually a wonderful interaction with the crowd,
2: right? And uh, another guest is the uh, is the young actress that plays Amy Pond, the young Amy Pond,
1: Amelia Pond, Amelia. <laughs> uh, yeah, Caitlin Blackwood uh, was just added, kind of last minute when Mary Tam had to bow out to a professional commitment, which um which is. I'm kind of of mixed feelings of I've never met Mary Tam and I was really looking forward to finally meeting her but then (laughs) I I I lose the opportunity to meet Mary Tam but then Caitlin Blackwood comes in who also I've never met and obviously she's in the new show and she is fantastic I mean I think hands down uh, I don't know anybody who would say oh well you know we could have got somebody better to do that part I think everybody was just amazed at, at how fantastic she was as young Amy
2: uh, the reason I was laughing there, by the way, is just reminding me of uh, of Taris. um uh, He made a comment. I'd put a picture up on my Facebook page. It was a, a wedding picture of being in the car with my wife, Marilyn. And he said, you married Romana too? Of course, Mary Tam played Romana too because she had her hair in all these ringlets and she looked strikingly like Mary Tam at that age. So he said, you married
1: Mary Tam. <laughs> you lucky devil, you. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a another exciting lineup every year. The show keeps on growing bigger and bigger, and this year is no exception. So, if you uh, go to One dot com, you can you know you'll get the full gist of it. Uh, I think there's probably too many for too many guests to to ramble off here, but it's an impressive lineup. Well, uh, it's, it's always a good, it's always a good convention. I mean, uh, for the past what four or five years now, you know, we've been attending, and it's always been a It's regardless of the programming, you know, which is always great as it is. But it's just it's a always a fun convention to attend.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I realised that uh, I was, I did feel as though the listeners here would want to hear it from you. You know what the situation is. They're obviously um, oh yeah, very much behind PodShock, and uh, they will be disappointed that uh, you're not going to make a panel there. But it it definitely is. It's
0: it's definitely something that that. um, i mean I, I can i'll speak for myself that it's definitely something that I would love to attend and it's it's always um you know we always love doing the the live show there and, and covering the event so it's something that um if i if I could do I would do and um it's just the resources aren't there to do it.
2: Okay, I'm sure absolutely those people that are going, I mean, uh, by the way, there are people I know that uh, actually can afford to go this year, but have chosen to save up even more pennies so that they can go on the 50th anniversary year, uh, which of course is coming on as ever faster.
0: Yeah, it's, that's, <laughs> it's hard to imagine that it's, yeah, uh, uh, next year is, that uh, and. The fiftieth anniversary, yeah. So I'm sure uh, they'll do something special. Well, I mean, I hate what, saying that because they do something special every year, but you know, I'm sure it'll be another special year at Gallifrey one next year as well. Indeed. So I, I was going to switch gears to a more somber note, but uh, before we get to that, let's let's stay on the high note here with um, that. Stephen Moffat has confirmed that there's 14 episodes, at least 14 episodes for next series, which is, um, which is a good, which is good news. I mean, he had, I believe he had tweeted that some time ago, but there was then, you know, since then there there was talk about an abbreviated series or, um, all this other, you know, stuff going back and forth. And, um, so I, I guess this now he has confirmed that it will be at least 14 episodes, in, which is including a Christmas special in, in the next series. We just, Indeed. we we just don't have uh, um, actual dates, do we? Um, so we it's going to be a fall series, as as far as we know, right? Yeah. Well,
2: th- th- this absolutely confirms the fact that uh, this split series was really a device to move us back to Walton, where I believe Ken has always said that's where Doctor Who belongs.
1: And it absolutely belongs in the order. I like the show as the the weather starts to get cool and the days get a little shorter and you have a chance uh, to to go inside at tea time when it's starting to get dark out, if it's not dark already, and you put on Doctor Who and you sit back and you watch and it kind of gets you through those uh, those dark days. I don't like it from the Easter starting point when the days are getting longer and everybody's getting spring fever and you can't wait to go outside Mm -hmm. and it's bright and sunny out till 7 730 in the evening and there you are inside watching TV it, to me for a show that has the kind of atmosphere that Doctor Who can have when it's doing the spooky thing yeah daylight just works it But like watching the X-Files at noon it just doesn't work and you supposed also, to be watched in, in the dark.
0: And 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 the show is competing with, you know, for, for the for I we always say it's a family show, but for the for the younger viewers, they're competing with you know outside activities and stuff Absolutely. that they could they could be doing outside.
1: Although there is an argument to be said that that the the geeky amongst amongst us
0: don't go outside
1: at all, <laughs> well. and we know better.
0: Yeah, I. I, I, you know, I, I agree with Ken. I think that it. I think the show, I, I, you know, obviously we watch it time, <laughs> night or day, but, but I, I think traditionally, I think the show does well. It started in November, you know, I, I think it, it's, it does well as a, as a fall series, I think, you know, and, and as Ken said, with, um, you know, at the time slot that it airs, it's, it's better, you know, in a darkened room than, you know, the sun coming through the blinds and, so i I think it's a good move. don't know if we covered it in that last episode or not um if it, i mean it's been this isn't i mean it's something that we knew was coming, but it's been confirmed that we'll see we'll we'll send out pond farewells to the ponds Amy and rory pond <laughs> williams we'll be bidding adieu to them sometime in 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 this upcoming series and uh, the Doctor will have a um, a new companion.
2: Indeed, I think a lot of people, until they saw uh, the sort of cameo at the end of the Christmas special, uh, they probably thought that the, the ponds had actually been uh, delivered to their new house with a new car. And and in fact, uh, I'm of the opinion, really myself, that their short story should have ended there, uh, living in a house with a blue door. <laughs> and uh having perhaps uh, a real baby this time.
0: Yeah, I, I figured we're you know, it wasn't when we saw the send off in, in the last series, it wasn't gonna be the real send-off. I, I figured they'll Well
1: how many times are we gonna do this? I know, I know. <laughs> uh it's the same with the the journey's end slash end of time swan song for tenant. Mm-hmm. Here we have the TARDIS being operated with all the companions, everybody gathers around, but that's not really the end. Here we go, sending Amy and Rory off. Oh, look at you guys living wonderfully, happily ever after, but it's not the end. And the one thing I'll say about the Christmas special was I was in, on my first viewing of it, I'm watching it and I'm, and I'm enjoying it, and I get to that very end, and I remember looking at the clock and thinking, wow, we're um. Ken? okay wow <laughs> i thought I'd he, see something he, then no, no he's,
0: I, he's still connected it
1: was a nice little moment and i, oh. I don't have a problem oh. with its inclusion i just think at some point um i'm i like amy i like rory but along the lines of what we see with bbc america with Amy saying, I had this imaginary friend and blah, blah, blah. It's like, come on, enough. The show's called Doctor Who, not Amy.
0: You know, we, we lost Let you just Amy f-
1: have her own show called Amy Pond, and I'll go watch it.
0: No, I agree. We, we lost you just for a moment there, Ken, when you said you looked at the clock and you said, wow, and then uh, well, and you lost your that. audio.
1: Oh, but- I, I, I said, wow, I, I this is great. We haven't seen Amy or Rory. I wonder if we're going to go an entire episode. Oh, no, no, there they are. <laughs> And I let out a sigh a, a an audible sigh while watching the episode because i I felt a little bit disappointed that we just couldn't get through an episode mm. without having to somehow involve them and it was a wonderful scene it really it really was the the problem I have is that it's just it's this over importance on the ponds Yeah. and um the the issue becomes like what happened with Rose where we just tenant just was so hung up on Rose, uh, you don't see the doctor pining for Tegan.
0: Well, that's the whole thing. When uh, there was a, a a part in that Christmas special where um, he says all his friends think he's dead, and I'm like, well, why? That's not really the case. Only only the Ponds, you know. And it just it just seems to to have a narrow vision that that um, it's just you know his only friends are. Or the ponds
1: and and the the BBC America thing you know obviously it's it 's a marketing tool designed to lure people who may not be familiar with Doctor Who uh, the casual viewer will will start the show from the point of view that there's this girl who has an imaginary friend okay cool but it it, it actually is a bit misleading, and if you stay with the show for the long run, it will only serve to confuse. And so uh, that led me, of course, to 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 have some of my own BBC America intros from now on. So I have um, when I was a little girl, I had a grandfather and I went to the Coal Hill School and and things like that. When when I was a little girl, uh, I I I dreamt of of a guy with white hair and a cloak and a frilly shirt. Like what? You know, come on. Yeah, it's. When I was a little girl in the tribe of the Seventeen, <laughs> I dreamed that I'd be running through the woods from an invisible monster. When a man with a scarf would come running up and and ask me to eat a baby, it just—I don't know. I'm just—I don't. I,
0: I thought you know we gave up like those De Silver intros, you know, to Americans back back in the '70s, you know, and we didn't need. To there sp-
1: are those who believe that <laughs> life here began out there all that kind of stuff yeah yeah no we didn't and and it's yeah okay enough of my enough of my tirade on the amy intro
2: it's time for me to to mention the tripods again yes dave talk (laughs) about the
1: tripods
0: (laughs) sorry go on lewis all right. Well, we go from uh, some, you know, go from some good news to some um, unfortunate news. Is that um, we report that Jenny Thomason, if I'm pronouncing her her last name correctly, Thomason, yeah, Thomason has uh, has passed away, and she has um, she she died at the age of 75. She was in the Doctor Who story Revelation of the of the Daleks, and she played the role of Tessum Becker. Uh, Tess Ambecker? Uh,
2: Tess uh, Ambecker, yeah, yeah, Tess Ambecker.
0: which um, the name may not sound sound familiar, but um, I, I think if you um, if you've seen the story and and, and you'll recognize her right away because she has a substantial part in that series. She was fantastic in that story. I I just was I was just
1: watching that story a couple of weeks ago because. Um, uh, coming as we're getting closer to icon um and, and we're, we're starting to uh, I, I personally anytime i start getting close to conventions like so i've been watching stuff with william russell and watching the 96 movie and, and then in the icon mode i'm i'm watching some sylvester mccoy stuff and
0: mm-hmm. yeah I we lost him again
2: uh well while we're just waiting for him to come around uh, people will also perhaps remember from that episode that um we Watch also that had oh. uh, the, that episode that she was in the revelations of alex also starred clive swift clive swift from and from from voyage of the damned exactly played mr copper in the uh, voyage of the Damned. so there's a connection there to new who she wasn't in new who but um she played his sort of lackey that was browbeaten uh which was very similar actually to a role that she'd played for many years as uh ruby in upstairs downstairs
1: yeah, it was a um, a fantastic episode, Revelation of the Daleks. Um, I had some bumps and some things. I'm not I'm not particularly keen on some of those '80s era Dalek stories. Daleks are not really my my particular favorite, but uh, that's a Graham Harper directed story with a fantastic cast and fantastic production design, and and it's for its time. Doctor Who fans were asking for, can we get some dark stories? And especially any time the words Graham Harper are mentioned, the first thing you think of is going to be atmospheric and dark and foreboding, and that, cer- that story certainly was. I
2: think it was on another, on another planet. Necros, I think it was called. Yeah, Necros. Uh, so, uh, you know, we like Doctor Who on other planets. Uh, okay. Doctor and Perry arrive on Necros to attend the funeral of an old friend who has recently died. However, the tranquil repose is not all it seems. And I've got a feeling that's the one with uh, Alexis Sale yep. playing the um, yes, the it is. DJ. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: And Eleanor Braun is in it. I mean, the, like I said, the casting is just, it's fantastic. William Gaunt? Yep.
0: All right, well, sad news there, and um, in other related news, uh, um. What's this digital spy story? I don't know.
2: (laughs) We've read the digital spy one.
1: No, actually, um, Mm -hmm. Stephen Moffat had tweeted that everybody should start following Sophia Miles and that he would explain later and the rumor that quickly circulated was that Sophia Miles would be returning to Doctor Who possibly as the new companion. And of course that immediately l- led to the fact that it might be Madame de Pompadour which I don't believe for a second. I could see Sophia Miles returning as a companion. I cannot but playing see a different character. Renette. No.
2: no. And the chemistry there anyway was with the 10th Doctor wasn't it? Uh uh, I mean, t- I mean, absolutely. The fans were swept up with uh, uh, that episode. I mean, the the regret that when he comes back, and, and you know, we see the funeral carriage going away. Hope that's not too much of a spoiler to people, but uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but an absolutely fabulous actress, and uh, if if she can come back to dot two, I'd be very happy.
0: And it won't be the first time that we had a actress come back well, to play another adjuven. role. Oh, I mean, I mean to come back as a companion in a different, playing a different character like Lala Wood. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, she.
2: What about like Karen Gillan did as well? Well, Karen Gillan played played one of the uh, Mm Fires Fires of Pompeii. She was in, wasn't Mm -hmm.
0: she? Yeah, she was one of the um, soothsayers or something like that. And Uh, And how about Colin Baker? Yeah, he didn't play a companion, but yes, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but he was recast
1: and and stepped into the role of the Doctor and and caused you know, great confusion to people who are who are, um, you know, well, well, Maxwell looks like the doctor. And then you had Lala Ward doing the same thing. I mean, the, the, there's a long tradition of this in Doctor Who. It's very simple. You get cast in the show. If you shine or the the, the crew takes a liking to you or you have something you, you wind up making a, a strong impression, they want to bring you back. It's it's just. It's elementary, my dear Watson. Well, what about uh, Chantel? Chota? I can't
2: remember her name from uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Utopia. Utopia, yeah. She came back in turn left as the uh, the fortune teller. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is
1: a this is a long-standing tradition, and Sophia Miles is fantastic. So I have no problem with her coming back. I think she's great.
2: And one more, of course, the uh, the nurse from Human Nature, Family of Blood. She turned up as her own grand, great-granddaughter uh, later on uh, when David Tennant was saying his long goodbye as the, uh, as the writer.
1: I also will add this caveat that nothing that Moffat said indicated any of that. It's no different than me saying to anybody else who follows, any of us who follow each other on Twitter, oh, check out my friend. You know, yeah. They're on Twitter now. Matter of fact, Moffat did it. Everybody turned around and said, oh, look, Stephen Moffat's on Twitter now. And no one said, oh, wow, Stephen Moffat's on Twitter. Something big must be happening. No, he signed up for a damn account.
2: Yeah, and nobody believed me when I said that the next, uh, the next enemy of the Doctor is going to be the tripods.
1: <laughs> Dave, you are trying to bait me, sir. You're trying to bait me into a discussion on the tripods, aren't you? <laughs> I know the listeners enjoy it. My Audible selections, by the way, those four books, unabridged for the first time. Bum bum bum.
0: I I don't. know. If I had a a tripods clip, I would play it now. <laughs> ooh, ooh, caught me on the hop. Now did did I hear something about the? Well, I just really we okay Okay, well we won't go on a big side track here, but um. Did I hear something about the tripods being remade?
1: Yes, there was some possibility there. The movie option's owned by Disney right now, but much like the Logan's Run movie that's ready to come out, um, you know, don't hold your breath. Okay. (sighs) Oh, I think you should (laughs) hold your
0: breath. I think you should hold your breath. Oh, no, now I have to hold it again.
1: The only thing that that I found interesting, uh, I, I found some tripods news...
0: Oh you you had a cube <laughs> Dave comes prepared. There you go. <laughs> now I feel the, like
1: watching the, it. the one thing that I, I learned recently, that Chicago TARDIS, during the Big Finish panel, uh, Jason Hay Ellery mentioned that there was a short-lived agreement. I think it's with To Entertain. They released the first two seasons that Big Finish was going to try uh, to do the third season as an audio drama to include in that DVD box set, which I think would have been fantastic to at least attempt to complete the trilogy. Um, it yeah. never materialized, and, and that's kind of sad because they really could have tied it in a bow at least and and, and come up with something much like the animated versions of missing Doctor Who episodes at least we have something as the placeholder to complete the story at least now they've released audiobooks of the of the novels but it's it's still different you know the the show took slightly different takes on the book they did a, a lot of their own thing to to make it a serialized format and stuff so curious to see what they would have done for the tribons. An audio version mm. like that, an audio play as opposed to uh, just a book reading.
0: No, I'm definitely in for it. Um, as far as um, I always enjoyed the, you know, the the television series. I, I didn't get to read the books, but um, I was always disappointed that there was never book three was never made into a televised series. All right. Well, I think Dave wanted just to remind listeners to. Um, Keep taps on. Uh, was it radio? Uh, was it Radio Four on?
2: Yeah, yeah Just BBC just Radio little, Four. It's not particularly news, but let's get it in the news section. Just to, um, I've, I've been listening to uh, Barry Letts uh, reading, uh, narrating his own book, uh, "Who and Me," on BBC Radio Four Extra here in the UK. But it's one of these great BBC radio stations that's not region locked. I believe perhaps when this uh, episode reaches uh itunes the final episode may well have aired i think it airs on the 26th of january but they uh, th- there is always a sort of um uh roundabout of uh of doctor who related things apparently also the scary fires is on radio 4 at the moment so uh, it is always worth a look um at radio 4 looking at the audio drama they always give lots of um Information about upcoming things, all sorts of science fiction, and maybe we might mention this on Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi as well, but uh, certainly um, the uh, the Letts, uh and he's very unassuming when he's reading it out, uh, very honest. Uh, it, well, it comes across as very honest, obviously you take his word on that, but um, he's um, absolutely a delight to listen to, uh, 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 an unassuming man who has... Obviously, first-hand knowledge, he was there. It's from the horse's mouth, as it were. And fascinating to anybody who's either always been interested in Doctor Who or is now just discovering uh, the classic series
0: oh and dave before when we, before we started recording when I was checking out this BBC four uh, page on these you know Barry let 's who and me uh, i had uh, noticed that episode six was missing, and now, looking at, at the episode, so they have dates next to them, and episode six is dated the twenty fourth of january so unless we time travel it hasn 't um that 's the reason why it 's not available so ah. uh, and uh, and the seventh uh, episode seventh is the twenty fifth so 26th, uh, I think, is it? Well, the, the, the list I have says 25th. Okay. So, um, but anyway, if you go there and do a search for Barry Letts, Who and Me, you'll, you'll probably find them... Uh, we don't know how long the episodes will be available, so um, the first one, episode one, was the 17th of January, so it runs from—the episodes run from the 17th to the 25th of January, so um, I'm guessing, and this is just a guess on my part, that each episode probably has a, a week lifespan, perhaps, or a couple, I, I don't think they're going to be—you know, I, what I'm saying is to— it's <laughs> to listen to what you can there. So if not, but they always have other stuff. There's other Doctor Who related um, stuff that you be, that you might find there as well. So just it's just something that you should just always stay on top of if possible.
2: Yeah, uh, and the actual uh, written copy of the book, as it were, has a lovely picture of a Dalek and the uh, third Doctor uh, with Violets. It says, forward by Terence Dix, afterward by Katie Manning.
1: Yeah, I've heard the audiobook of uh, of Who and Me. It's fantastic, and and as a spoiler alert, it was supposed to be one of two, apparently. It was supposed to have a second volume, and I don't think that had mm-hmm. ever materialized. He passed away before. I don't know if he even began it, because it wasn't too long after Who and Me came out that he passed away, so it does leave you hanging a bit.
0: Yeah, that's unfortunate.
1: What fantastic tales from from one of Doctor Who's most legendary producers, of course.
0: I've always enjoyed Barry Letts's input on the DVD extras and when he's on uh, the commentaries, and he's he always um, adds um, extra insight into the production, and uh, you know he's he always remained sharp till the end, you know. So he, you know, it was a valuable resource of information that that he, you know, that, that he was.
1: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, well I think that's gonna round out the news. So if um barring any other late breaking news, we'll be right back. Um with Dr. Pacha.
3: Hi, this is Graham Harper and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshot.
0: Hey, if you are going to Los Angeles in February, whether you're driving, flying or using a time machine or a time and space travel machine, well, one thing that you would want to bring with you on your journey to pass the time, though this probably won't apply if you do have a time machine, is something to listen to Yes, they are long flights or long drives, or if you're going by boat or whatever, you uh, probably want to have some sort of entertainment with you, and and what better choice would there be than none other than Audible? Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, and more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Android, and over 500 devices for your listening anytime and anywhere, just like this podcast. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podchuck, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free audiobook download with a 14 day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you decide, hey, it's not for you, you still get to keep your free audiobook. So to download your free audiobook, simply go to Audible Trial. Dot com www.audibletrial.com. Again, that's pawchalk for your free audiobook. And as always, we'd like to make a recommendation or a referral of what you may like to choose. And it's entirely up to you. You can choose whatever they have to offer. But since we are going to be reviewing Doctor Who and the Silurians soon in this episode, what better choice would there be than, well, the audiobook version of that, which is Doctor Who and the Cave Monsters by Malcolm Hulk. It's written, it's uh, narrated by Caroline John, who um, is, um, you know, in the actual televised story as well. So, but this goes, um, this is five hours and 13 minutes, so this goes a little bit more in-depth than what you see in the television um, uh, version of it. So... This is something that will give you a little bit more background information on the and, um In fact, why don't I play a bit of it from, for you right now?
4: ...pointing to the eastern horizon, where the sky was already dark. The little rogue planet stood out as a white disk in the sky, lit by the sun. A month ago, the planet had been a dot in the night sky. Now, Ogdell could see it clearly. There were patterns on the surface, as though it too, like Earth, had seas and mountains. The little planet was travelling at an enormous speed towards Earth. Okdell asked, Could there be life on it? It's been travelling through space for millions of years, said Cato. Life is only possible on a planet if it goes round the sun and gets warmth. You're sure it will not collide with Earth? said Okdell. "'Our astronomers calculate that it will sweep by Earth,' said Cato, patiently. "'Our seas will rise up in great waves, "'and for some days the air will be drawn up from the surface of our planet. "'But the air will come back, and the seas will settle down again.' "'Octel had heard all this before, "'but he was old enough to know that even scientists could make mistakes. "'The planet was first seen two years ago.' Once the scientists had made the Earth government understand the danger, the government ordered the building of these deep shelters. All over the planet, Earth shelters had been built deep under the ground. The scientists couldn't say how long the population must stay in the shelters. It could be days or even weeks. So to save taking down huge amounts of food and water and oxygen, the scientists had invented a system That would put everyone into what they called total sleep. It meant that the people would actually stop breathing. On the ground above each shelter was a device to detect the return of the Earth's atmosphere. Once everything was back to normal, these devices would automatically trigger huge amounts of electricity to wake up the sleeping reptile people. Cato said Are all the animals safe? It had been decided to take a male and female of all the more useful reptile animals. What? said Octel, lost in thought.
3: Our animals,
4: said Cato.
3: Are they in the shelter? They went down first, said Octel. I'm ain't sure of that.
4: He paused. A pity we're taking none of the little furry animals. You are a strange man, said Cato the little furry animals are dirty insects live in their fur in any case this event will rid our planet of the mammal vermin when
0: the little planet draws away our atmosphere even only and that was doctor who and the cave monsters once again by malcolm hulk who was uh wrote the original story doctor who and the salurians which we'll be reviewing in just a moment so, um, yeah, that could be your selection or choose any that they have to offer. It doesn't even have to be a Doctor Who book. It could be, it could be um, a tripods or anything that we spoke about in this episode. Or it doesn't have to be anything that we spoke about in this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. But, um, but, yeah, check it out. Once again, it's audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free audio book.
5: Was brilliant and the slithy toes did gar and gimble in the wave. Doctor! Yeah. Come on, Bessie, be more cooperative. All oh, Mimsy were the borough groves and the moon. Doctor? Of course. Well, hello, Liz.
4: You'll never get that thing running.
5: Well, don't you be so disrespectful. I'll have you know this is a car of great character. I was very lucky to get her.
4: Are you really going to drive about in it?
5: Yes, certainly. I've nearly finished with modifications. Thought we might take her out for a trial run in a minute. I wonder what that's for. Oh, well.
4: Urgent message from the Brigadier.
5: He's away, isn't he? Investigating some sound.
4: Yes, well, he wants us to join him. Miss Shaw and the Doctor will report themselves forthwith to Wenley Moore. Attend a briefing meeting... My dear, Miss Shaw, I never report
5: myself anywhere. Particularly not forthwith.
4: Oh, it's just his way of putting things. I'm sorry,
5: Miss. I won't go. I'm far too busy.
4: Come on, Doctor.
5: We was brilliant and the smithy-toes. It would
4: make a nice, nice trip for us. Or we could visit the caves.
5: Caves? What caves? Well, that
4: part of the country's famous for them. Oh. Mm.
5: Is it? Hey, it is. Oh, all right then. Ah, I'll drive you up there in Bessie.
4: Bessie.
5: Yeah, Bessie. I see.
4: Uh, ah <laughs> Oh,
5: there we are. Yeah, hold
0: and we're back and we're talking about the Solorians which is a a classic obviously doctor who ad- adventure it's a it's a first on, on on many fronts uh it's well f- first of all um it's Doctor Who and the Solorians which is a a bit of an oddity because uh, it, it went out you know with the title Doctor Who and the Solorians uh most of us just can't just you know qu- Know know it as the Silorians, but um, it's interesting that you know they it went out as you know with the title Doctor Who and the Solorians. It was the first uh, Doctor Who story that was in color, shot on video. So we had the, the 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 pre I mean Doctor Who had just gone in color with the previous stories, Spearhead um, from Space, but that was shot on film. And uh, this was also Barry Letts, who we were just talking about in the new segment. Um, This was his first episode as producer. Uh, Again, many firsts there. Also, it was uh, just on a technical note. I believe this was the first story that Doctor Who had used um, CSO, color separation overlay, which is similar to uh, chroma key in the US. It's it's the process of... Combining two different VO images into one, you know, in, in, into a certain area of the of the the weatherman effect, the weather. The yeah, exactly. So, and any long-time Doctor Who fan knows that that became a mainstay, especially in the in the seventies. Uh, you know, the use of CSO and Doctor Who. So, um, so so many firsts there, and it was relatively, you know, um, even though it was. Uh, John Pertwee's um, second episode and um Carolyn John's I mean it it was basically a, a new um a new concept. You know, we had the Doctor Who on Earth, uh, the Doctor you know, stranded on Earth, we had um a new companion, the, the doctor was relatively new, so uh oh, and it's um basically the first story that introduced well the first full story with Bessie as uh, the doctor's car. Um and it introduced the Silurians, which um the solarons will return along with um their relatives you know the the sea devils and the, the solarons are not um you know and, and obviously they they we've seen them in modern times too now so um
2: yeah they were in the 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 two part story the hungry earth and cold blood which were broadcast in May 2010
0: yes yes and uh, and then we, we see one of the um uh, was it um, what was her character's name? The, we've seen another one uh, in this past series. Far. Uh, I can't remember her name now.
2: Uh, it was the same actress. I don't think she was playing the same Solorium, was no,
0: it? No, no. It, um, I, I, it begins with a V, I think. Post production note the character name I was thinking of was Vastra, who appears in A Good Man Goes to War from 2011. So anyway, yeah. So it introduced the Solorians. Other interests, other interesting facts about it is that it was um that as far as the DVD as far as the DVD goes, this was a um another color restoration. There was a another there was a well, we should back up um that the the existing before um you know, we all know what happened with Doctor Who um videos at that, the, that they were um, so many of them that were lost and um, some were recovered, some were only in black and whites. They had distributed um, black and white film copies of Doctor Who um, episodes, even though they were shot on video, to countries that didn't have color TVs at the time. And some of the restored episodes, uh, some of the recovered episodes rather, were only in black and white. And Doctor Who and the Silurians, when I had first seen it, was, in, in, was one of those uh, stories that were in black and white. And then they had... Um, They had found a color video copy but it wasn't the, the definition wasn't really there. And for the VHS release, they uh, they, they combined the two, and there was a, the, the first like um, full color version of the of the story that was released then. And now for the DVD, they refined it even more. They started from scratch and they did the, the whole color. They did the whole color restoration, um, which is more truer to how the story was when it went out. There you'll still notice some color bleeding in it, uh, especially at the if you look at the brigadiers. Uh, metals you know on his chest you'll see some of those colors bleeding onto his uniform but minor stuff like that i mean it i it, it's still it's a good looking episode and i'm glad that they were able to restore the color as much as they did and we can see it as close as we can to how it originally went out other points of interest is a. Uh, we were talking about the Tripods earlier, which is another British sci-fi series, but a, another um, British science fiction staple that that both Ken and I enjoy, and I'm assuming um, Dave does as well, is um, Blake Seven and yeah, Paul, Paul Darrow Tarrow. plays Captain Hawkins, who uh, is um, otherwise known as Avon, and Blake Seven, who plays the what um, sometimes is known as the anti-hero. In, um, and,
2: of course, he was in Time Lash as well. Yes. Baldaro. Darrow.
0: First of all, I have to say it was a delight, you know, watching um, a John Partley story again, but especially watching this story, it's been some years since I've last seen it, so it was really good to see it again. And um, the the DVD is... is um, It's a nice set because it, there's, um, there's tons... Of, well, there's about three or four uh, good extras that are included the only thing I probably would have done differently was that they had, uh, four episodes of it's a seven. I should also back up and saying that it's a seven part story and there's, um, they have, uh, four episodes on disc one and then three on disc two, but then there's an extra on disc one, which, um, sort of breaks up the flow. I rather have, I rather just see like as many episodes I can on, um, straightforward. And then, cause I kind of watch the extras later. So it just means going back and forth, but it's, it's it's okay <laughs> but getting back to the story I, I think it's it's, um, it's a definitely a reflection of its time as far as um, you know the doctors trying to keep peace between the Silurians and, and Earth and
5: Quinn's dead he's been killed oh, no. by a Silurian
4: a Silurian?
5: probably the same creature that attacked you you saw it? I spoke to it and it understood me
4: what was it like?
5: Reptilian, biped, a completely alien species.
4: And it didn't attack you?
5: Liz, these creatures aren't just animals. They're an alien life form, as intelligent as we are.
4: Why, why, why didn't you tell the brigadier?
5: Well, because I want to find out more about these creatures. They're not necessarily hostile.
4: Doctor, it attacked me.
5: Yes, but only to escape. It didn't kill you. It didn't attack me when I was in Quinn's cottage. But don't you see, they only attack for survival. Well, human beings behave in very much the same way.
4: What are we going to do now?
5: Well, I'm going back down into those caves. See what I can find out.
4: Then I'm coming with you. No, Liz. Either I come with you or I go straight to the brigadier.
5: All right. Have it your own way. Fate be on your
0: own head um, i don't want to give anything away but i'm i'm imagining that that many of you have seen it already but or f- are familiar if you're just watching the new doctor whose episodes that you're familiar with who the slurians are and 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 where they come from and all that so uh so yeah, this is when the doctor first encounters the slurians uh, they were in hibernation um within, you know, within their base under, you know, underground, and their hibernation mechanism had failed, and through the power that, that this power station that um, that was operating at that time, um, you know, had awakened them, and um, and it was causing mischief there, and now the Solorians want to recapture the Earth, you know, they want to reclaim the Earth as their own, as it was before humans evolved and made it their planet, so... It's sort of, um, you know, turning on its side the whole alien invasion, because it's, it's not aliens invading, it's uh, th- these aliens were, early, they're not really aliens, they're native Earthers that, um, <laughs> that, that want to reclaim the planet as their own. But you must see, this is
5: a highly developed and overcrowded planet which now belongs to man. This is our planet.
0: We were here before man. We ruled this
4: world
5: millions of years ago. Then why did you stay down here?
4: A small planet was approaching the world. We calculated that it would draw off our
5: atmosphere, destroying
3: all life. We built this place and suspended our lives till the atmosphere should return. A small planet?
5: Yes, of course. But don't you see that small planet was drawn into the Earth's orbit and became the moon?
0: But I was just saying it's a reflection of the time period because it it sort of mimics where things were back in nineteen seventy well this was shot at the end of sixty nine and um and in fact, as we record this we're about a week away from when it actually went out forty two years ago on the i think it was the end of January the first episode went out, so it's a reflection of where we were at that time with the cold war and um uh you know where we were as a society you know as far as um Trying to keep peace and friendly relations with hostile um, societies, because they didn't paint. Even though the doctor was trying to um, preserve the Solarians and and you know that they're intelligent, they're an intelligent race and they shouldn't you know just be um, destroyed. But the Solarians themselves were not goody two shoes either. I mean, they they had their motives and you know they, obviously they wanted to wipe out the humans. So there was a balancing act that was going on there. I'm sorry. I think I stepped on someone that wanted to talk.
2: Uh, no, I was just going to say that there was. Uh, there's quite a, um, a, a a lot of guests in this one as well. I mean, uh, you mentioned a few of them, but um, uh, also there's. Um, you said you mentioned Jeffrey Palmer, of course, but he was as well as being in Voyage of the Damned, he was also in the Mutants. Peter Miles uh, was, uh, who's in this episode, is also in the Invasion of the Dinosaurs, and. Uh, uh, plays Ni- uh, played NIDA in *Genesis of the Dalek*. I think most people will remember that person. Mm, yeah. Also was in *Paradise*. Of, oh, those are in audio plays. And um, Norman Jones, that previously appeared in the *Abominable Abominable Snowman*. But um, this story is only what the uh, the second story of uh, John Pertwee, isn't it? Because the yes. spearhead from Space* was prior to this.
0: Yeah, this was originally meant to be his third story, but um the the second story which was um The Carries of Death, which would be later n- renamed Ambassadors of Death, were wasn't uh wasn't delivered in time as far as the, the the story goes, you know, as far as the script goes. So they had to move this up because Malcolm Hulk who wrote this, I I should have um prefaced our review that this was written by Malcolm Hulk and directed by Timothy Combe and um and as I mentioned before, Barry Letts is directing, uh, is producing this, and this is his first foray as as um, producer of Doctor Who. But yeah, so this is his uh, this is John Pertwee's second story as as the Doctor.
2: And I'm just reading here on the wiki page where it says, a uh, Doctor remarks in this episode, you know, I'm beginning to lose confidence for the first time in my life,' and that covers several thousand years." Mm.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's right. He's, he, he does say that. And uh, and obviously that's... Um,
2: contradictory yeah. to the 900 <laughs> that we now think of.
1: And that Trouton mentioned he was about 400 years old, so there's definitely a disparity there.
0: Yeah. And later on, Tom Baker would say 750 or something in that range.
2: And don't let us talk about how many regenerations the Matt Smith doctor said on Sarah Jane Adventures.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, another um, interesting point is that this is the first story of Doctor Who that the TARDIS is completely absent, with no mention of it at all. You know, obviously this will be probably um, a trend with the Pertwee years because, uh, you know, obviously he was he was stuck on Earth and all that. But it's interesting that you know here we are. This is the first time that the TARDIS is like completely absent.
2: Right, because we, we, there are quite a few stories where we just see the console, don't we? Uh, like in, in Inferno, um, it's the console that's uh, th- that's mainly featured in that.
0: Yeah, and he's always trying to fix the um, what was it that 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 um, that I forget what it was that the, the little widget thing that to get yeah. him off the planet.
2: Now, let me ask you a question, though, because I haven't seen it recently. The dematerialization he, he, circuit. Ah, right, that's it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you've always said, when I've listened to you in the past, is that um, you know you, you need to watch classic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in with, the mindset exactly. of the period. Yes. So is that something you felt you had to do with this? Or do you feel as though it's well? Stood I, up?
0: I, I I sort of do that automatically. You know, I, anytime I'm watching Dog 2, I sort of put myself in the mindset of the error that it was made. So uh, you know, well, you know, and, and that, and also now that. <laughs> Being a fan for for so long, I also then you know I, I, I kind of put myself in the mind of when I was first watching it too, which um, you know now is wow more years than I care to remember. So yeah, it's it's sort of a du- duality thing. There's a, a nostalgia of like remembering watching it for the first time myself, but then I you know I also try to put myself in the um you know in the audience of the time that it went out, you know when it like i said uh, this was a 1970 story, and obviously um you can tell that from you know um, you know even though this was out you know the, the unit years those um you know those John Pertwee years is actually supposed to be set ten years um in the future, so it's actually you know even though it 's not obvious but um there were, it was supposed to be in the 1980s, even though it was obviously, you know, produced and shot in in the 1970s. So, yeah, I put myself into that into that. And, and you know, when I do that, too, with this, you know, obviously anyone that's that's um, coming to the story from watching just the the um, current Doctor Who, you know, you need to put yourself into that. Storytelling at the time was done a little slower. This is a seventh. Sp- Part story, so I think that equals what like two and a half hours or some some th- something like that and it's not like it, it's compared to today's Doctor Who where everything's fast paced and the storytelling is done within forty five minutes or forty two minutes or whatever, it's done very differently back then where uh you will see the doctor working things out and um experimenting and um doing stuff which they sort of which today they'll just brush across because they're trying to keep the pacing fast and moving it forward and um you know, and television is different. I know uh, it's it's just the the um you know, unfortunately, doing Doctor Who as it was then, now, wouldn't probably fly on, on television today. Right. But yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed the the longer, you know, I don't know, you know, the, 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 the thing that which you can fill us in, Dave, is because you watched this, you watched Doctor Who back when there were you know when it was weekly and you have to wait a week between episodes so seven parts uh, this and this began the end of january uh, 1970 and i think it concluded somewhere mid-march so that's a long stretch of time of just watching one story i don't know if if, um, even though watching seven parts now i think this story even though it's seven parts long moves pretty well i don't know how i would feel watching that you know in real time over seven weeks you know where it's the it almost goes from it almost stretches the entire span of winter well not you know end of january th- to, um to the beginning of of spring almost
2: right yes uh, i mean we we did have different times we went to there was one where it was time when it was doing twice a week and uh, and and so on but I mean, obviously, the cliffhanger, that's where the whole point about the cliffhanger came, and that's why you also get the uh, the the, uh, the recap, and that's why you got uh, the very famous Mary Whitehouse quote when uh, there's one part where the doctor's been strangled and held underwater, yeah. and, uh, and she says, how can you leave kids thinking about that for a whole week? Uh, and, of course, she's saying that kids would imagine him, that he's underwater for the whole week. You know, they don't just stop the film, that... Um, that that's where it's going but um i mean the, don't forget Dutch who who's highlight tv then well as as it's well becoming back now but it it was it marked the uh, the weekend for many young people uh and it was uh i mean things were pa- pa- uh, slow paced i mean i must admit there is still Uh, episodes that seem slow when I watched them the first time like Edge of Destruction uh, whatever it's called The One in the TARDIS Mm -hmm. I mean uh, if you can make one page of A4 paper last half an hour uh, then that's what it was like but um, I mean the thing is all that's come after has come after and you didn't have that experience at the time so to me it 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 seemed I mean the worst stories I mean even the war games which is one of my favourite with 10 episodes there was a, a bit of repetition and even I think uh, uh, my own mind at that time was, was noticing that but um, no I, it didn't seem that out of uh, a step in ordinary and of course you've got to remember that nowadays young people don't only watch hundreds of channels but I mean they'll go and buy a box set of uh, you know their favourite science fiction show and maybe watch 20 episodes over 3 or 4 days never mind uh, you know one story taking seven weeks uh, so it, it is a whole different world uh, but I was just looking uh, again at the uh, information about this episode and um, we, uh, if it's not too spoilery uh, one of the things that has a almost a, a lightning to um, the Christmas invasion is um is is an action that's taken against the Silurians. I won't say what towards the end, where the Doctor's disgusted at, at, at what mm-hmm. has happened yeah. for the sake of humanity, as it were, for safety of humanity. Exactly echoes what the tenth Doctor felt in the Christmas Invasion uh, when the Prime Minister. Um, yeah, uh, it s- echoes. Think, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, definitely parallel there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's an ending where the. Spoiler alert! Skip ahead about a minute if you want to avoid any spoilers about how this story ends. Well, I mean, I, I, again, I, I don't know if we want to give, I mean, you know, give things away, but yeah, the, the Doctor doesn't necessarily come out on top here at the end of this episode, so it's uh, it's it, it's interesting in that respect as well.
4: What's that?
5: Silurian base.
4: He must have had orders from the ministry. But you knew? No. The government were frightened. They just couldn't take the risk.
5: That's murder. They were intelligent alien beings. A race of them. He's just wiped them
4: out.
0: You know, and and also, this is also very early on in the long relationship between the Doctor and the Brigadier as well. So it kind of um, builds some initial character development between that that relationship. You know, between the Doctor and the Brigadier, there um, you know the, the, there there's some resistance, and then there's um, you know obviously a, a friendship there as well. Uh, other interesting notes is that you'll you'll see the Doctor. Changing his uh, his uh, clothes quite often when he goes into the caves, he's dressed as um, you know, like a miner or, or as as the other um, people that are, are dressed, you know, the the cave goers. There, uh, you'll later on in the in this story, you'll see him in a white laboratory um, outfit and all that. Where later in Doctor Who later doctors you, they almost always stay in in their usual dress so it's interesting you know with with John Pertwee he he kind of um, especially his earlier earlier episodes he seemed to uh, to change to fit whatever needs that were necessary um other other things to look for, out for is that you'll see the doctor's, uh you'll see John Pertwee's, I should say, tattoo on his arm as well here. So, um, uh,
2: uh, one one more point, and I, I, forgive me if you've already covered it, but w- when you watch this, uh, was it? Did you get this as a part of the box set? Because I think in the UK it was part of a box set called Beneath the Surface, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. the, the sea, sea Devils and the warriors of mm-hmm. the Deep
0: yes i that's that's included in this set um I, that's how i'm that's my copies from this set, which I'm assuming you can get them individually as well, which are exactly the same just sold individually you can yeah. I, again, we're being introduced to the Doctor. Really, this was his uh, the John Pertwee Doctor. Really, uh, his uh, his second story here. Right away, we're we're seeing his um, no respect for authority, which which I always liked and enjoyed about the Third Doctor. How he you know he just doesn't care. You know, <laughs> you know all these uh, you know ministers and other people that would come and you know try to um, you know bend the situation to their liking, whatever. He he just you know. <laughs> he has no time for them, you know. I, I think I, I don't remember the exact line, uh, but there, there's uh, Palmer, uh, Jeffrey Palmer plays Edward Masters, who's the permanent secretary of science, I believe. And the doctor says, "I, I have no, you know, <laughs> I have no, I, I, I don't remember the exact line, but he said, I, you know, I have no use for him, whether he's permanent or, you know, or not, you know, he's just." Again, he, the doctor just does what he needs to do regardless. The
6: future of this center is very much in question. Ah, but surely great right. promises for this project, Charles. Nuclear power into electricity, limitless supplies of cheap, safe energy. And we can do it too. Millions of pounds have been poured into this place with no results to show for it. But if this research center is abandoned, all of that money will be wasted. And it would mean the end of your career, Charles. That's why I'm doing my best for you. What does your security man have to say about all this? Major Baker is convinced there are saboteurs in the caves. And no, are there? Well, of course not. How can you be so sure? Well, the whole thing's ridiculous. The Brigadier and Baker talk of saboteurs, and that doctor believes there are monsters down there. I beg your pardon? But didn't the Brigadier put that in his report? He was a little vague about the precise nature of the menace. That's scarcely surprising. Look, Edward, I admit we've had a number of technical setbacks mine is not an easy job you know I realize our that. problems can only be solved by scientists not by security men what do you want me to do? get all these unique people out of my way let me get on with my job well, the brigadier is only trying to help you help me? he's exaggerating this whole business out of all proportion merely to magnify his own importance I hardly think that's justified well you don't know him I'm as well as I do anyone. I'm simply trying to find a solution to the problem the brigadier and his team have his come down team? Here with... what that girl and that crazy doctor? the doctor is supposed to be brilliant in his own way, he may be a little eccentric. The man's a raving lunatic.
5: He's insolent, he's impertinent. He shows no respect for my authority. Ah, Dr. Lawrence. It's just the man I wanted to see. Now tell me, have you just had a power failure? Yes. How did you know? I see, thank you. Now, just a minute. This is the permanent undersecretary. So yes, well, I've got no time to chat to undersecretaries, permanent or otherwise. I must find the brigadier. May I ask who you are? You may ask.
6: Well, oh, there you are. I've only just heard that you were here. I've been trying to get in touch with you. Look, sir, what's happening about my reinforcements? That's one of the reasons I'm here. I'm afraid you're not going to get any reinforcements. May I ask why not? I can't go to the Ministry of Defence and request regular army support for you on the basis of a wild tale about monsters in caves. Sir, we have overwhelming evidence that there is something in those caves. You mean saboteurs? I don't know, but the caves are vast. To cover them properly, I must have more men. I'm sorry, that's out of the
5: question. Then I'll have to go in with the troops I have. Brigadier... You are not to take your men into those caves. I've been down there and I know what's happening.
6: Well, if you do, perhaps you'd be good enough to tell us. Yes, Doctor. I think you'd better. Uh,
0: The obvious thing, I mean, going, you know, from today's Doctor Who to then, you know, Obviously, you always have to take in, um, into consideration their budget and or, or lack of it, and you know there, you'll you'll see some of the white tape, you know, holding the m you know, masks on, you know. Uh, some, you know, again, you just have to give them a, a bit of a pass there because there was only so much they could do with, with what they had to work with and the time that they had allowed it for. They got around that, I think, with um, the Sea Devils and, um, you know, they, they they tried to do them a little bit better. But you'll, you'll see some of the, the, the outfits that they're wearing, you know, the Silurians, obviously you'll, you'll see that they're outfits there's the leader and then there's who is then overtaken by this younger Solorian who's taller and and um his acting is a bit little or i would say a bit exaggerated you know he's uh, he, since he's, since the actor's covered in this whole Solorian makeup and all that i guess um and i'm assuming it's that you know the actor felt that he, um, he needed to kind of exaggerate his movements a bit so he's kind of like shaking like a leaf every time he talks and all that where the other Slorians aren't i don't know maybe it's just a medical condition for the Slorian.
2: i'm just looking as well at the wiki page i mean the viewership was still pretty strong in those days uh first episode opened to 8.8 million viewers which would be a fairly respectable level now. I think the Christmas invasion, the final—not the Christmas invasion—the latest Christmas special, the final number was like ten point seven million. So this was, a, you know, an ordinary. It was getting between seven point two and eight point eight million for each of the different episodes.
0: Yeah, it, um, I, I think it did well, you know, as far as viewership goes. Uh, another interesting point I think Barry Letts, um in the commentary points out that uh I think it's Fulton McKay who plays Quinn if I'm not mistaken I I believe he had said that he was um he was con- being considered for the fourth doctor if they you know if he didn't find Tom Baker you might have um had approached him to play the doctor
2: All right right mainly known in the UK for being the one of the prison warders in Porridge with that uh, ronnie barker uh mm. that's it that's the one where he's uh pr- the prison offer uh, in that
0: i enjoyed the slurings when i first watched it and um you know way back when and uh, and subs- you know and and since and i think now after even though it's been several years since i last seen it i i don't think um i didn't come away feeling disappointed anyway i think it, it still holds up um like I said, that it's it's remarkable for various different reasons, as I had mentioned, you know, before, and um, I think it's a it's a good story, especially, you know, it's it's one that you probably, if you haven't seen it, you definitely probably want to see it, and if if you're familiar with the. Uh, the Silurians with with Doctor Who today, you know, this kind of shows you how it all began, and you'll see some parallels of you know, you know of the of the most recent doc of the most recent you know Silurian story as it was told, you know, with with um, with Matt Smith, you know, compared to um, going back to how it all began, that, that you'll you'll see some mirroring there, but I think it still holds up, you know, and and again, you as you said, Dave, you you definitely have to put yourself. Into the mindset of when it was shot, when it was uh, made. Yeah. So, so definitely worth th- picking up, yeah. I, I I'll give it four your- and a half TARDIS Groans Ooh. out of five, yeah.
2: I don't think I can give it a rating because it is a long time since I've watched it. I do have uh, a growing collection of Doctor Who uh, DVDs, not as many as uh, many of the avid uh, followers of Doctor Who, but. Um, That's not one of the ones I've got. I didn't get that set, I don't think. I can't remember why. It may well be because I already had one of the three individually or something.
0: It's definitely worth probably, you know, picking up if you can. Uh there's uh, you had mentioned earlier about Jeffrey Palmer, you know, who plays um Edward Masters in this, who's also uh, uh listeners may also know him as um he plays um he he's he's he plays with Judy Dench in As Time Goes By, a popular series, uh, which is shown in, in the States on PBS here. Um but he's he's also does um some of the narrations on the extras. So I I I usually have the DVD handy by me when I'm doing this. I, I don't. But um, there's also commentary, which also includes Nicholas Courtney, Barry Letts, um John, Terrence Dix. Um, uh, let's see. There's, um, I think, Peter Miles. And uh, what would, would have been interesting if they were, if they did get, you know, even if it was just for one or two episodes, Paul Darrow, but they didn't. It would be interesting seeing his his take on on you know going from here to you know later on to Blake Seven and the differences and all that, unless anyone else has anything further to say about the Slurings. I, I think um, I guess that's it then. Indeed. All right. So next up we have the final two segments of the Fraser Hines interview that that Ken had um, conducted. So, and uh, we're gonna hear. Parts three and four,
1: you're going to get a two-for-one today. Our third and fourth part will conclude with our interview with Fraser Hines. We sat down with him back in July 2011, and you may have heard parts one and two on some past Podshocks. Three and four will be, well, how about right now? In The Invasion, part four, which is one of the missing stories, is now animated on the DVD. Mm. But I think one of the sad things is that there's this incredible helicopter stuff that's missing, mm. right, isn't there? Where you're climbing a rope that's ladder, right, yeah, and the helicopter's right, yeah. going off. Now, this is, it, it may be difficult to get, uh, t- to drive home, even in, with the animation and seeing it, that the animation is not exaggerating. You were climbing a rope ladder, and the helicopter was lifting off the ground. Yeah, because the pilot
3: actually just did what was, I mean, they should have actually said to him, you don't have to climb, just hover and the camera will do the, you know, the, the work. But he just did, did a natural thing, well, like, yeah. Is yeah. So I was climbing up the ladder and I suddenly looked down, and the people getting smaller and smaller and the helicopter was getting nearer and nearer. And I thought, like, well, I'll keep climbing because the helicopter's now nearer than the, than the ground. You uh, no, were... Well, no safety. No safety harness. No, no.
1: nothing. I, I, it's, it's... it's Inconceivable to me that they would let this one of the stars of the yeah. show climb a, a flimsy rope ladder onto a helicopter. Nowadays you have this out.
3: clamp that goes down your sleeve. Yeah. And you go clamp like that. And it's, if your hand slips, the clamp is holding it in the wires.
1: If they even thing. went that far, they could green screen it. Now there's a million, tr- yeah. you know, a million tricks they could do. But it. That's,
3: they, that's why those days they did it for real. Nowadays. With CGI, they, they can just pretend you're climbing, you know. And the thing that's
1: brilliant, though, is that it is real. Yeah. So I've, it will feel real because it is real.
3: Yeah. It's so just a pity. The that hair that, moving yeah. and your. Th- that, that part is animated rather than the real thing because it would have been yeah. great to see probably the fear in my eyes of, oh. <laughs> uh, and Bob Sidaway playing the lieutenant, you know, pulling me in. Yeah. Playing the, the young uh, captain.
1: In this, In the same story, there's a scene where you're. You and Pat are in a, in a kayak rowing along, and yeah, you're hard that. at work paddling, and yeah. he's sitting in the back just steering, isn't he?
3: i did you not know, forgotten that scene until I saw it on the uh, when we did the commentary yeah. for the invasion. I just got you, you had no recollection of the kayak? no, I, you know, because and you would do because they're quite difficult to get into and get out of. Yeah, but I, I you know, no, I didn't have any recollection at all.
1: And after seeing it, do you remember shooting it all.
3: Oh, you just just—I just—I'm not going to do the gag because if I do the gag now, people—no, no, 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 they well, won't well, laugh I'm not, I'm not when I do a, a convention. End. You see, I can't give too—I can't <laughs> give too much away can it
1: all away, Because no.
3: otherwise, I'll say I'd have heard that. All right. I won't laugh. Uh, by the commentary, by the invasion, it. you'll hear the gag.
1: You did another helicopter scene uh, in Fury from the Deep. It was actually prior to that, but that was that's that wasn't right. your fr- only time. It seemed, it seemed that you did a few few times, yeah. they like getting you in the chopper, didn't
3: they? Oh, with little Debbie Watley, yes. she was very frightened of heights. So I said, well, you can sit in the middle. And I said, yeah, there's only a three-seater, but there's no doors. So on the take, I just ran, overtook her, and I jumped in the middle so she had to be on the outside.
1: Terrifying. She's huh? terrifying You're swine. You're swine. I said, you
3: trusted me. <laughs> you trusted.
1: <laughs> the girls seemed to be pretty good fun.
3: Oh, yeah, we, we were very lucky. We had Debbie and Wendy, mm-hmm. and then the, <clears throat> and the two doctors. And Nicola Bryant was great fun as well. Which we
1: watched the other night. You hadn't Yeah, seen it no, I haven't seen
3: it for years and years. In fact, when I get home now, I'm going to watch it again with the commentary, it just is, because I haven't seen it or heard of it, so I'm going to hear the commentary yeah. next time.
1: Yeah, you seem to have really... You yeah, had excellent chemistry with, with Colin, and you've gone on to Big Finish to do some stories. But yeah, gen, you have the whole second episode of that story, it's basically the two of you, because... Perry's doing one thing, and and the and your no. doctor's been kidnapped. And That's right,
3: yeah, so and Colin and I, we have known each other over the years, uh, various auditions and uh, stuff like that, but never worked together. Mm. And we just gelled, so right? because we we come with the same, we've been in the business the same amount of years.
1: You. Uh you discovered the other night a, uh, a clip in, in some of the outtakes that's on the DVD there, or some things that you, you hadn't even remembered. There were some, some some studio outtakes, and uh, you yeah, so seemed to be
3: having some fun with the On, that, on that end, uh, the two docks, yeah, I hadn't seen the outtakes. Uh, and it was, it was under sound and lighting or something, and we just thought, well, what does it mean? the lighting, so we had a look at it, but there were outtakes
1: and uh, outtakes and it was great. You know, I thought about it after we watched it, I figured out what that thing was, because it says it's under the lights and we're yeah. thinking, oh this is some kind of thing about lighting, but under the lights and under the sun, meaning there was one for location and one for studio, that the studio was under the lights. And yeah, then, under and then the, the sun outtakes were was, uh, was, was when yeah. you were in, in Seville.
3: But there weren't outtakes as such as, as somebody cocks a lighter. It just
1: some studio footage. Yeah, Ross except, except footage.
3: that last one where we walked into the room and they said cut, and just instinctively, I rewound,
1: it and, and, like
3: and uh, Nick, I, I'm sure I must tell Nicola when I get back home for so her to have a look at it, because uh, it's, it's funny, you know, and It's funny when you see people when they say, cut, and the camera's still rolling, so what they do, like, the nose, so, you know, <laughs> they don't realise the camera's still going, you know. And then Gary down We're still rolling. All right, still rolling, love. All right, go for another take, you know. <laughs> and they'll don't it's Gary down Yeah, it's all right, love, yeah. Like Bruce Forsyth <laughs> but I must bring Nicola when I get home and say look at the uh, the two doctors and just look under the lights there's some lovely actor and a great one of you and I at the very end because we, we ring up each other now and again sure, Are you're you actually
1: you're going to see her at a convention aren't yeah, you yeah
3: Claudia Con uh, August 13th 14th at uh, a hotel near Heathrow Airport
1: you do a lot of appearance actually You know, hmm? considering that this is your first time in New York for Doctor Who you're it's actually a, yeah. a pretty busy guy when it comes to you know, yeah. going out to conventions. We're going to Glasgow as yeah. well in
3: August, August twenty sixth, twenty seventh. Glasgow Con. That'd, that'd be good because uh, I like Scotland, so I'll go up there. And one uh, to Swansea. Going to Swansea as well. Mm. It's good because uh, help sell the book. Hindsight. Yeah, that's right. Uh,
1: your your autobiography so, yeah, so is so out now. Now it's paperback.
3: Twenty two dollars paperback. Twenty five dollars <laughs> hardback. Phraseins <laughs> dot co dot uk.
1: There you go. <laughs> Which is a fantastic read, and it goes all the way back to, you know, you start with, with Chaplin and some of the people you were with, Well, it covers <clears> the entire
3: <throat> It has some very good write-ups, you know, from sci-fi magazines and places, and I, I wrote it myself, because I, I like reading biographies. And you can always tell when it's been ghost written because he wouldn't use that word, yeah. she wouldn't use it. But I, I tried writing longhand, but I, I don't like writing, I don't like my writing, so I just used to speak into a tape recorder.
1: And then transcribing it later on. And then somebody would type it up for me. Right, because you sit and you you have a way of telling some your your stories. You bring them to life uh, because you're a stage performer. That's right, yeah. So you you have a certain way of bringing it to life, and then hopefully it translates onto the page, which it does in in hindsight.
3: Well, if I had to say, I met Lisa Goddard and we went out. That's because I'm writing it. I said, Lisa walked towards me, her blonde hair blowing in the breeze. She was wearing a caftan. You could just see through it as the sun... She was wearing a bikini. She came towards me. Her perspiration—you know—you can describe it. Yeah. If you're watching these,
1: (laughs) FraserHines.com. Yeah. Email me there. Yeah, yeah. had an audio reading of the book on audio. Yeah. Have you ever?
3: No. That's in the in the pipeline, actually. Yeah.
1: Will you get to read the read the audio book because that's incredibly popular. Mm. Audible.com, which is the one with. Well, Big
3: Finish wanted to do it, but. um, I've got to edit kind of thirty percent of the book.
1: Do it like an abridged version. Yeah.
3: So um, I mean, I said to David Richards and I, let me just look at that now and find out what bits I can edit out. You know, There's a couple of chapters. I think yeah, that can go there and that can go out. Um, but that's that's next in the pipeline as well. I
1: always enjoy listening to a, an, an autobiography. Yeah, you know, when the mm. when the, the person whose book it is is reading it because mm. it's your stories. They're your that's tales. You, that's what, yeah. you hear you can hear inflections and emotions that you can't get in the books Yeah. as wonderful as the book is. Yeah, you can, still yeah. you know, the, there there's certain things about the original person telling the story. Right now now that being said, I wouldn't know I don't know if I could read somebody's autobiography if just a narrator was hired. Well, I
3: wrote it in the first person, you see. So if if you were to do my book, You'd have to, or anybody else, you'd have to cut out the eyes. Or, yeah. or if I said it, people it would seem kind of They'd out of way They said, no, you didn't. You're Kendi. Uh, you know. Right, right. So you'd have to put it into the. He went to Corona. You, you couldn't say. It. It'd have to be myself, really. Yeah. Because it is a, an autobiography.
1: As opposed to uh, a historical figure or something where. Or, or know, a biography, which is George somebody. Washington about, or
3: somebody writes John Wayne's biography. It's not John Wayne speaking. They write it. John then went on to film The Alamo. He put most of his money into it. He sold his Corvette, the Grey Goose, to raise a million dollars to put in the film. He did this, he did that. Mm. Now, if John Wayne was doing it. He was saying, like, I sold my gun, and, and I did this, and then I had to do. So, I mean, my book is written like that, so I'd, I'd, it'd have to be me.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you get that. Yep. that that's something that you We, we you might
3: know. be able to get, get out. I've got a couple of big finishes to do this year. Uh, it's just finding studio time, you know, with a big finish.
1: Will you be coming back with Colin, do you think? Is that? I don't know. I just, just, just
3: David said, you know, you know um, on, on Facebook the other day, you know, I said, I read so-and-so, yeah. And he said, uh, keep a couple of dates free for later in the year, you know. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because oh. you're on Blab. No. no, that's what he said to me. Oh. I don't know, I don't know. Because it would be on this. But, um, no. Yeah, I'm so glad that Colin... And I did that one, that, that trilogy, because that was fun. Yeah. Because we just, we had a good time. And get, in fact, Colin is supposed to be staying with me this week when I fly back. Really? He's doing a play in Lincoln, and we're rehearsing a play. So he's supposed to be staying with me this week.
1: Well, please, Ooh. give him all regards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tell, him that had a, tell him he had a great time in New York. He's been to New York, work. hasn't he, with, uh, he has. with Gene? Been, yeah, he's been here. A, with uh, Gene Smith. Uh, he... You know, yes, he did the convention here. He yeah. did
3: New York Comic Con a couple of years back. That's there, right, right? yeah. the which, um, which I haven't done yet, Gene. Mm.
1: <laughs> Coming to hmm. think of making a stopover in, in yeah. October.
3: Gene's even. got a lot of my hardbacks for sale. Gene Smith.
1: He's <laughs> <has laughs> got a lot of my hardbacks. Over at Alien Entertainment, sure. so, yeah. the man who organizes Chicago Tardis. Yes, yeah, so which you headlined a few yeah, years. In touch with Gene,
3: he's got the hardback, so I don't need to ship it from England.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all squared away right from the United States. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Have a, you have a pipeline inside the States for for hindsight to. Uh, That's right, yeah, I, yeah. War Games was your final story with Patrick. It's yeah, a yeah. monster story. And, right? and, and, and
3: Terence Dix did a great job writing six uh, t- ten episodes. Because I think it was supposed to be two. Uh, there was supposed to be six and a four. And I, I think he wrote the six. And he
1: co-wrote it with Malcolm Hulk. They, yeah. would, they would alternate. With yeah, them.
3: and then... But I think it was... The BBC said, well, we're not going to have a six and a four can we just make it a ten? You know? Just make it a big... Ten. Yeah, so de- uh, Terrence and Matt, oh, crikey, ten episodes. And I think they, they, they did a good job on that because the stretch the over ten episodes, all right, we, we kept getting captured and... Yeah, lots like, of captures and escapes. Yeah, and right? escapes, but, you know, I think it holds up. I've seen the war games, you know, two or three times. Yeah, I something. really enjoyed it. It holds up really well, and I got to ride a horse as well, which is good. But not with the kilt, it's, it's, it's uh, not what's, a good thing.
1: What's the last shooting the last part like you know it was very
3: okay. sad it was very 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 sad indeed because we did as, you know I always say this we didn't want to leave you know but Patrick's wife was saying you must leave and do because she said you're, you're better than kids TV because there was only a kids TV show in those days Saturday 5.15 mm. And my age is saying Darlene's done three years of television no, you must do films Judy Geason's doing films now Richard's doing films he must do films uh, we didn't want to leave And I always say that they would have to shoot us to get it out of the TARDIS and you know we'd still be there now you wouldn't have heard it David Tennant, because we would, we ain't leaving. <laughs> I still we, leaving, you know, we'd have kept, you know, BBC, we wanted to write you two out, no, we would have got the TARDIS and mid somewhere else. Is
1: that part of the reason why you, you agree to come back? I know you did the Five Doctors, yeah. and that was a small part, because you were working. Yeah, you I was supposed have... to be
3: with Patrick all the time, Right. and Nick Courtney, I think, was going to be with John Pertwee, and you know, when I couldn't do it, they upgraded, Nick upgraded, to my doctor. Uh, and then I think Sarah Jane you know, took her over jo- with John.
1: Right, also when Tom couldn't make it, yeah. she was supposed to be with Tom. Yeah. Um, but then you come back and did the two doctors. As a yeah, and I, game, just, but, I but just
3: agreed to do, uh, to do pantomime and then go back to Emmerdale. And I did the two doctors, and I, was, I really thought I shouldn't have agreed to go back to Emmerdale because I think if I had said to J&T, this is fun, you haven't got a male companion, why don't I just stay? And I'm sure J&T was a yeah, because he brought me from the five doctors, did that little cameo, and he mm-hmm. said, "You really were enjoying yourself." Andy and you, Patrick, would you would you do more? I and mean, you you bet. Then what a year later, whatever it was, we did the, the the two doctors, and I just i was regretting having agreed to go back to Emmerdale, because I think I, I, I could have, I'm sure Jane T would have said, right, like the Highlanders. Well, you're not written the next story. We'll just we'll give you a we'll couple find lines a line. Yeah. We'll find a way. That, you, know, that you say to me, your you your Patrick, you know. Sorry, doctor. I mean, you know, or I get trapped in the TARDIS and it takes off. You know,
1: you're trapped with yeah. with uh, the. Then, sick you know, because
3: they didn't have a male companion. They only had him and Perry. You see. Yeah. So that that have been good for us because, as I say, doctor uh, Colin and I did get on very well, and we do get on well when we do the big finish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, the, the chemistry picks right back up mm. with you and Patrick in that story. And, and
3: it works, because I think with someone who's in charge of big finish, and I never did any big finish, and. Uh, I said, "Well, how come I, I don't do Big Finish?" Well, your your doctor's dead. I said, "Well, yeah, but I was with Colin, and the two doctors. Yeah, but I don't like mixing companions." So why not other people? So the minute he left, Big Finish, I got a phone call straight away. do you want to Come and do a bit, yeah, companions chronicle, and that you know started me on the ladder to working with Big Finish, which is it's great fun to do. They're the lovely people there.
1: And the, and the companion chronicles works very well too because it's basically you're telling the story from your point of view. Mm. That we didn't get a chance to see on screen, so it'd be like, you know, Jamie tells a story about, well, when I was with the second Doctor, this happened, kind yeah. of thing, and it and it it allows the audience to realize that they're only going to hear your voice, hmm. or they're going to hear you saying, "This is what the Doctor said," yeah, and and it opens it up where you have something you can say, and it opens it up so that the companions of William Hartnell and of Patrick John and yeah. now, you know, John Hurtley as well, if they wanted to.
3: And the writers for the the, the, the companion are really good. It, the, the Glorious Revolution, you know, and when I was doing it, it was, this, 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 this description was so good, I, I could see, it. I was walking down that corridor, you know, a, they walked down the corridor, there was a guard at the door, James I stood there, he was sneezing, his runny nose, and it was, you yeah, you could describe, and when we did the, the trilogy with Colin, you actually could see yourself in this galleon and the brass yeah. and I said what a pity we couldn't actually make this let's get Jason to put some money let's make it visually <laughs> and David said uh, I don't think Jason got that kind of yeah come on Jason let's do a visual one because it was so well it, the writing is so good in those big finishes I
1: and mean, all great professional writers and good up. casts yes
3: uh, you know, Sid well that's, was, that's Sid uh, from from uh, Deep Space Nine who did about mm-hmm. 12 years sure uh, I wouldn't know him as Sid but he's the, is it Andrew Siddiqui or...?
1: S- yeah, Siddiqui. Yeah. Alexander Siddiqui. Yeah,
3: and, and of course, Miranda Raison. Yeah. And they get some really great... Oh, uh, Georgie Moffat. They get great people to yeah. come and work for... Because it's such a, a good, happy, relaxed atmosphere. David Tennant before David, David, the David Warner.
1: Yeah, David Warner. David
3: Warner. Yeah. David Warner. And, you know, normally we, we always take the mickey out of each other, you know. you know, If somebody says, doing an Irish... And we say, I didn't know he was Welsh.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
3: But David Warner, you know, he, he, we did a scene, and he just said to David, he said, Fraser, can I just say, that scene, I've really felt that Patrick was in the booth with me acting. Uh-huh. I have, and that's coming from David Warner, one of our great actors. Fantastic you know, compliment for me. It's incredible. Mm.
1: I know that Louise mentioned that, that he was one of the reasons she's an actress that really? right. she saw him as a, as a young girl on stage looking to Shakespeare I remember when she was in New York I mean, she was praising him so, so much and he was, you know, big finish but it, what a brilliant idea to be able to take uh, Doctor Who was a television show but it, because of the limitations of the budget particularly in the 60s it had to be about stories and characters the acting yeah. the writing of the story that really drove it and so it was almost like a radio show on television mm. because you you know, look, doctor, that's a thing with one eye and it's green and it's heading this way, you know, mm. because maybe it wasn't visually as yeah. amazing as it could be. So it seemed almost natural that something like Big Finish comes along where you can say, let's... You don't have to worry about hair and makeup. We don't have to worry about trailers okay. and locations. You can say
3: there's a 40-foot
1: monster. And it's still about acting and writing. I always thought it was... It was brilliant. I mean, there's a there's a great tradition in Britain of continuing to do audio drama. You, know, you That's yeah. one of the, the, the brilliance of yeah. having BBC Radio. You continue to have audio. We don't
3: have anything like that in the States. Well, the, I think they're cutting back on drama on BBC Radio now. Which is a shame, Yeah, you know, the one-off plays, you know, the Friday afternoon plays and Friday evening. It's a great thing because a lot of people who don't watch television, they'd rather listen to the radio. Yeah, I, I
1: find... if if i'm at home during the day because i work nights i don't find myself putting on the television for some reason i nights. okay yeah Yeah, when i'm out there working the hard streets yeah Uh, but during the day i just don't find myself putting on the television sitting in a room because it's the daytime you you you're doing things around the house i put on podcasts i put on uh, audio dramas and things like that if you're driving a car for a long journey oh that's the best yeah to, to listen to a friend. As our mutual friend Joshua always says, it gets them through traffic. Yeah, You know, you, you, you were with us here in New York traffic. Oh, yeah. You could get through the war games coming and going from New York You could, actually, yeah. From uh, New York City. to
3: Manhattan back. Yeah. I didn't realize I knew it was so big, I thought it was just, I, I got a pilot down there early, I was about 10 minutes away. you know. Yeah,
1: 10 minutes, no. It was 10 minutes just to find a parking spot. Yeah. But these things, it's why a lot of Doctor Who fans consider the, the books that you're reading or the missing episodes that you're doing the linking narration to a big finish. Why it's so important to us, because it's... It, it, when that poor lady last
3: night, she arrived, it was raining. She couldn't, she got lost from the theater, and she came in about soaking wet. And at the end of the night, she went to take a picture of me, and her battery had died on the camera. Uh-huh. And she made all that journey, and she said, well, can I go buy a picture? And, and I heard Jay uh, yeah, sure. Should you take cards? No. Uh, and oh, she couldn't could buy a book. She could you know, I felt so sorry for that lady. She was soaking wet. And, then, and
1: did she get a picture?
3: Yeah, she did. I think so. Um, the guy with the, the proper camera, he took a picture
1: for us. And, and we'll uh, email it or he, something. He oh, email, that's yeah. fantastic. Well, we have a great community. Uh, yeah, it of is, yeah. Fans. you know, diverse, diverse walks of life that get Ooh. together in our common interest. Yeah, here in New York we have pub meets and things like that, and there's no videos or signs or anything like that. It's just dumb. how come you don't invite me to a pub meet? You can't sound that. Let's
3: have a pub meet. You can come. You make me pub. go to a theatre. I wanted to go to a pub. You can come to a pub. Yeah, can I, any time yeah. you like, yeah. and you know that. We'd have a dozen old throat varnish, couldn't
1: we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know darn well. If you said, "I'm going to be in New York, let's go to a pub," yeah. right? I said to the doctor of fans, "Let's roll." They would roll right in. Yeah, let's go to a pub that's very good. And 50 or 60 pints later, you'd say, I'm done, take me home.
3: I have to say a big thank you to my landlord, Bill Davis, for putting me up for the week. Yes,
1: thank you. Bill, you did a a fantastic job, not only putting you up for the week while you were here in New York, but helping you organize a lot of the behind the scenes things with the screens and the audio And
3: and downloading the audio and the the DVD. And girls, he's attractive, he's single. He has his own house, he's very tidy, and he makes his own bed. So, thank you. Thank Bill you Davis. Give him a call. I have an agent. Yeah, look him up, yeah, up on yeah. Facebook. Look him up on Facebook. Plays the guitar, yeah. too. Plays the guitar. He's in a band. He's in a band. He's in a band. a band. He's rock, you know, he loves yeah. rock and roll. He likes a little heavy metal. Yeah. Look him up on Facebook. Good picture. I'm
1: set. No. He's set now. All right, set.
3: You'll be More inundated there. <laughs> I'm an endorsement. I'm Bill Davis' pimp. <laughs> But he makes his own bed. You know, that's, you know, for guy. you know, women love a guy who can make his own bed. They don't just leave the bed like, damn, yeah,
1: that's what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've got a wife to make it,
3: you know, you, but, but Yeah, no, she'll leave it for me. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm, more, I'm uh, on top
3: of things. His you. wife rang him the other day. She said, where the hell are you? He said, well, honey, do you know that jeweler's shop that you like those diamond earrings with $3,000? She said, yeah. He said, well, I'm in the pub next door with Fraser. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thanks so much for joining us oh New York good this yeah. past week and thanks great. for joining us on the podcast I mean, yes really, that's good, that's good. That's I, we grand. had a nice afternoon here in the sunroom we have a, a relaxing been, a little bit yeah, in as well sunroom. will you join us again at oh, some point certainly will if be, be back to New York oh, certainly yeah. I, we'd love to have you back I and mean, I really hope you had a good experience here and,
3: well I'm, I'm going to visit Barry sometime you know uh, he said come on over now and stay with us so we I come over our
1: week's holiday, or so we'll uh, give you guys a call. And Absolutely. We'll, we'll do the pub meet that time. And then we do we'll a
3: pub meet, at, yeah. And we'll, we'll meet up and have a, uh, a little glass
1: of sand, so it's Fantastic. Greatest. thank you so much for all your time. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You. And that concludes my sit down with Fraser Hines. He's joining us at Icon 31, which is here in New York. It's at uh, Stony Brook University here on Long Island. March 30th, 31st, and April 1st, 2012. He joined Sylvester McCoy, Daphne Ashbrook, Colin Spurl, uh, Steve Gostello, who is the man behind some of the Daleks and Cybermen in 30 years in the TARDIS, as well as author John Peel. That's our sort of Doctor Who side, (laughs) and there's a caveat to that because there's a bunch of other sci-fi guests joining us at Icon and many of them have Doctor Who connections as you know Sarah Douglas has done some voice for some of the adventure mm-hmm. games and some big finish and Jeremy Bullock played Tor in Space Museum and Hal the Archer in Time Warrior and Nana visitor from Star Trek Deep Space 9 is joining us and she was in Torchwood. Yeah. So there's actually more more than meets the eye when it comes to uh, to Doctor Who related Guests at Icon.
0: It's it's almost like a Doctor Who convention.
1: It almost is, which is it's fantastic. Sylvester's coming back for the first time this century. I think nineteen eighty nine was last time he was at Icon, and and of course he's got The Hobbit coming out later this year, which is going to be fantastic. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can wring some information out of him about The Hobbit and um, and Daphne and Fraser and and Colin as well, who's just uh, Colin Spurrell who's who's we just mentioned in Revelation of the Daleks as well as Rise of the Cybermen and Age yeah. of Steel and, uh, and I
2: have uh, got, got to correct you there it's Colin Spall Spall is how you
1: pronounce his name properly
2: Yeah Yeah uh, a good friend of uh, the cult of the collectives I had my picture taken with him when he was in Manchester He's on, uh, a, a double
0: of yours
1: <laughs> Yeah <at> the Fab <laughs> cafe yeah He does look like Dave doesn't he Yeah <laughs>
0: There was one picture of both of you together and and it was just like, oh, they they were like doubles.
2: Yeah, so if you see him, say hello from me. I don't suppose you'll remember, but uh, it was great because one week he was in America and met Ian, the sixth doctor. Uh, They shook hands. A week later he was in the UK shaking my hands and that's the nearest I've got to shaking Ian's hand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, Ian I've never met him before, and he's done a, quite a few conventions. But yeah. it's one of those we've narrowly missed each other on several occasions. I don't think he's done Galley, so um,
0: we had him on our show. Uh, I think Ian interviewed him for us. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's other non Doctor Who guests Come to um, to Icon as well. So if, I think it's IconSF.org dot org is the website.
1: Yep, IconSF.org dot org is the is the website and there's obviously there's tickets still available and you save money if you buy them in advance and that's always good and it's a it's it's actually a pretty good value if you look at the prices compare it to other conventions and and some of these monstrous corporate conventions Uh, this is a a convention run by fans by a volunteer community of fans for fans and and priced accordingly And, and there's a few conventions I attend, Gallifrey, Chicago Tardis, Icon, some things like that. You you get there's a certain type of convention I like. I go to some of the big ones like Comic-Con and things like that and there's a big difference when it's fan run and I, and I'm all for that.
0: It's it's great seeing everyone dressed up and, and you know all the cosplayers roaming because it's uh for the, for those that don't know icon is at a uh, college campus so seeing them all you know <laughs> seeing all these various different um sci-fi superhero um fantasy a lot of anime. and anime there's and a,
1: there's uh, a big big anime presence at at icon and cosplay is huge yeah. as well as steampunk um you know that the there's actually going to be a doctor who a New York-based Doctor Who cosplay meetup on Sunday at the convention, which is kind of cool. So that's a that's a call out for Doctor Who cosplayers to uh, maybe we twist twist his arm just right. Maybe we can get Sylvester to take some
0: pictures with everybody. That would be fantastic. Yeah, so that's it's something that we're really looking forward to because it's um, as Ken had said, it's been a long time since we had. So many Doctor Who guests, you know, there at once. Sylvester McCoy was, I think, 1999. So
1: it's it's been a long time since we had a, a <laughs> Doctor Who guests, yes. much less have a few of them. So it's worth traveling to. I know a couple of people from some of the fan groups in Philadelphia and Boston have already been in contact about about making the trip and, you know, what the hotels are like and, and everything's pretty affordable. And that's the cool thing about it. And the hotel rates are similar to Galley in that I think they're 99 or a hundred dollars a night. And, um, I know the Holiday Inn is, is the official hotel, but there's two, two others in the area that offer competitive rates. and, And one of them actually matches anything that the official con hotel does which is kind of cool i know a few out of area people are i'm looking forward to seeing some people i've I've never met before but i've been friends with like on facebook and and whatnot it's it's kind of cool so, that's really to me like you go to gallifrey or to any of the, the cons that i frequent to me it's a lot of it has to do with getting a chance to meet other people other fans face to face People with similar interests, you know, like-minded. I mean, we all we all share sci-fi. We all share Doctor Who as our as our common interest. And that's cool. You get a chance to to chat about some of the stuff that you like. Talk about. You can get a chance to chat about the Silurians if you
0: like. So, mark calendar is March 30th through April 1st, and even though it's April 1st, it's it's no joke. Mm. <laughs> All right, well I think that's going to round out our show. We had a a, a good show and as always, a thank you both for for being a part of it and thanks everyone for listening and uh, as always, you can always send in your feedback to Pachak the the cup the public call box, Pachak's public call box, which is uh 206 984 3543 and visit us at pachak.net, our website. There's been a uh a a call out for um to expand some of the forums there to some of the audio adventures and, and whatnot. And so we're going to accommodate that as well on our website. And um, as always, if you have any ideas or suggestions or anything that's not on the website that that you feel should be whatever, and don't, don't be shy. We're always um, open to, um, to your input.
1: Dave, are you out. a big Finnish listener? Uh, I, I've got
2: a few I mean the last one I listened to was actually uh, the Pirates one the one with the, the Sixth Doctor and uh, mm-hmm. I really did enjoy that and I also uh, I bought a few of their ones they did uh, a couple of Highlander ones I would actually like to listen to some of their Sapphire and Steel ones as well so um, uh, yeah, they've got of course- you written
1: all over them don't they with like the, yeah. the, the list of franchises that they do audio dramas for the, the reason I asked is because I know the tom baker uh the, the tom baker line just started with destination Nerva, and I, I was wondering if you had heard it yet
2: no but uh but they uh when i said uh, earlier about uh, listening to bbc radio 4 extra they've just uh replayed all of the Horlitz nest series with tom baker
1: mm. yeah well they big finish just just launched their tom baker line for the first time and destination Nerva. i i uh it's short. It's if you've if you're not familiar with Big Finish, if you've never tried it before, it's a it's actually a good starting point because it's there's not a whole lot that you have to know. You just start with the fact that it's Tom Baker and Louise Jameson, and it's the Doctor and Leela, and they set you right up, and it 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 sounds like the old days, and that's all you really need to know, and then you can explore from there. So it's a it's a good starting point, especially if there's so much material that they've done over the years. I mean, so many different lines. So if you're looking for a starting point, if it it seemed like it was too daunting because there's over a decade of big finish material, that Destination Nerve is a good place to
0: start. Well, it's, it's good to have those audio ventures, you know, on hand, especially if you haven't really, cause a lot of this is new for people, you know, people that haven't discovered the audio ventures. And during this time where we're waiting for fall for new doctor, you know, television stories, um, if you've, um, exhausted the DVDs, which I doubt you have, but there's always, um, there's, there's always material out there, be it, you know, uh, um, on DVD or the audio venture, you know, different, different audio ventures, be, be it, um, you know, stuff from, um, that you'll find on, um, on Audible, there's stuff on um, on Big Finish, um, there's plenty of stuff there on book- Radio 4, we were just mentioned earlier in the show.
2: <clears> there are Excuse me. books as well, you actually get a book and read a book.
0: How quaint, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing we haven't mentioned is, of course, all these uh, uh, thoughts about this new uh, D- D- Doctor Who coming to the PlayStation 3, isn't there?
0: Yeah, we mentioned it in, in one of our, our previous episodes. I'm not mistaken, maybe, I think you might even brought it up, Dave. Yeah, there was, oh, uh, the, no, no, I think Ken brought it up. Um, there, there was a promo, which it was, didn't really, yeah. you know, give you too much. It was just sort of like a, a, te- well, a, a teaser, barely, for it, yeah.
2: It might have been actually Graham Sheridan that did that. He might have done it on the website.
0: Uh, no one of the episodes I think think Ken had mentioned it that it just we were recording and I think the news had just broke about it well that's something to look forward to yeah
2: yeah I mean we are all concerned that uh, you know Doctor Who's going to be off our screens for such a long time we hope there's going to be a payoff Um, I think uh, Ken was saying about the the number of episodes that Stephen Moffat has promised us so we, we do know more Doctor Who's coming it's just a little bit of a wait Yes,
0: for me it's not. I mean, I don't say for me, but for 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 a lot of Doctor Who fans, I don't see it so much as an issue because, like we said, there's just so much Doctor Who material out there. Be um, you know, we're we're approaching fifty years of Doctor Who, so there's uh, between television episodes, um, uh, there's the even the the missing stories. You can get you know reconstructions of them, or um, you know there's you know you, you can read them you can um th- there's the audio there's just so much out there when it comes to doctor who so i i don't think you know if, if you're not finding new material you're not looking hard enough <laughs> all right well um i think that's going to wrap up this show so until next time cheers everyone cheers bye you have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented by the fan run Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions, and it's presented to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices now available in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts. Hello.
5: Are you a Silurian? Look, do you understand me? Well, what do your people want? How can we help you? How many are there of you? Tell us what we can do. No, wait, wait. wait Wait Unless you Silurians tell us what you want The humans will destroy you